Welcome to the Husky Hockey Podcast, your number one resource for all four checks. Uh, one, two, two, the two, one, two, the three, two, one, the four, five, nine, even the ones that we can make up. I'm Weldy sitting with Andrew, so we'll talk about uh, the the letdown in Omaha um, as the Huskies get uh, swept out of the building in a very convincing fashion. Um, it was just a utter, utter collapse. But you know, I'm curious on your take first off, when it comes to four checks, which which one do you think you're you're the biggest fan of? What was your favorite four check of the weekend? I think I like the eight six seven five three oh nine. Ooh, there we go. That that's the the Jenny four check. I like the lie four check, where it the numbers which are BS to begin with don't even match what's seeing on the screen. I bet this guy's got a lot of radio experience, not banking on the fact that people are actually watching. And I bet he's a basketball fan or something. Is that that's that strikes me more like basketball set play kind of hockey's jazz, it's free range. There's no set four checks. I mean, the extent that he made it seem it was something where about five minutes into the game on Friday, I'm just like, stop it. And it did not improve. And it, and it didn't. It, it didn't yeah. no, it didn't he didn't stop. Uh, yeah, at least I don't know if that was worse that or the raving about the green mill, which uh, <laughs> that was completely out of place. It was a it was one hell of a they, bro- it was one hell of a broadcast hard in on the green mill for about five minutes. And one of my favorite tweets I saw and uh, I'm so upset that I that I, I couldn't uh, that I don't remember who said it, but it was like. There's like three places within walking distance that's a better option yeah. than the green mill. Yeah, anytime you, you say, God, when I'm in that city, that's kind of always like the Michael Scott in the office where he's like, this is my favorite New York pizza joint. And he points to a Sabaro. <laughs> I mean, that's Sabaro. That's kind of the the deal there. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if he thought that's the only one. It's not a chain restaurant. They probably, they must not have them down in, in Omaha. Yeah, that could be it. But it's... It, it was mind boggling how it just how wrong he was in every instance when it comes to the four check. You keep using the word. I don't think it means what you think it means. And I mean, my favorite was there was one time when we were clearly playing a trap when we were clearly playing a neutral zone trap where I think it was Micah was just standing right in front of Broden, just standing there. So no pressure at all in the radio. Huskies come in with a one, two, two, four check. And it's like, there's no four check. There's, there, there's nothing. It, there, we're just waiting for them to break it out so we can trap them. It's just, it's so. It, I mean, some people have verbal tics. I certainly have noticed, and I'm trying to curtail, which I, I know I will fail in this podcast, but, you know, you the know, you know I'm saying, it. you know, <laughs> you know, is kind of the thing that I'll say when I'm struggling to find something to say. I've, actually noticed that you I've like, got like nine or ten filler words I'm terrible so thank you everybody for listening to this. I've picked I, up on I think your favorite one is whatnot you say whatnot a lot which is a, I think it, whatnot is a good word so it's better than you know or like or a lot of these more common verbal tics that's a weird verbal tick though to uh express attacking zone four checks yeah there's I think my honest favorite one, and, you know, I was, you know, joking, obviously, with a lot of those other numbers, but when we did pull our goalie, 
the announcer actually said a one four one four check, which <laughs> with three guys on the blue line at that point. At one point, yeah. it's there's a when it comes to incompetence in broadcasts. We saw this with like the North Dakota series a few weeks ago, where they didn't have their main guy calling the games because he's like doing CBS work. So they had some, he's doing CBS some now, yeah. substitute guy, and you could tell he's not all that experience. And there was like long you know, stretches where it's like 30 seconds of silence, which I'm sure was driving their you know, director or producer in the van crazy. That is way better. I'd rather take the nothingness than the constant over thinking blather of it, it, describing phantom four checks and, and just continually talking and overwhelming talking banter and it's it's, uh, as, it's as we talk for uh you know two hours on a podcast yeah. well, well people are paying people pay for that privilege uh yeah. they're, they're here by choice speaking of donations can go directly to my venmo so there you go. thank you for supporting the podcast so, yes indeed uh well, let's go from um you know inadequacies in the radio <laughs> and on tv to inadequacies yeah. on the ice because um, just just ab, uh, it was it was a frustrating weekend for for the Huskies, and um, I'm gonna imagine I'm gonna be a little more pie in the sky optimistic because long and short of it, somehow some way, we're tenth in the pairwise, and and we we you know we dropped a little bit obviously, but not nearly that far. We're still well inside the right side of the bubble. We still control our own destiny. Whether or not that's good that we control our own destiny, I guess, is up for debate. Um, but I will kind of keep, I'll try to keep that frame, or I will try to keep that mindset going in and coming out of it. But in between, um, I'm probably going to rip this team apart. And I would imagine you will too. So um, let's go ahead and... Just uh, talk about Friday's game. Uh, St. Cloud State loses on Friday, and with a, a score of five to two, um, add an empty netter four to two. But it, it was a very annoying game for a couple of different reasons. Uh, you know, so just kind of curious what your take was. Um, start us off, and then I'll chime in with every random thing I can come up with. Uh, yeah, I just to, to summarize the weekend, I'd say it's clearly the worst weekend of the year for the Huskies. They played, 100%. they played, and that's kind of debatable because they've had a quite a lot of uh, egg laying weekend. Western Michigan, Denver, the, a good team, a good team, a, a good team. Yes, well, we we that, had, that's where everything really trickles off and now i'm i think omaha is a better team than you do first yeah. and foremost yeah and we don't um, have to so behind the scenes give people some behind the scenes show prep uh pulling back the curtain a little bit texted him texted weldy after the game and i think i used the word embarrassment which you pushed back on and uh and i said that yeah you didn't look any it didn't look good in any area of the game against an, I called them in a mediocre at best team. You seem to think that they're better than that, but, and I think it's mostly a semantic argument based on what we think mediocre means. 
Uh, and I, so I don't think that's, it's really beyond the, the point of this because the Huskies, if they play like that, they're going to lose to CC. This is less about Omaha than how the Huskies played. And whether or not you think Omaha is good or mediocre or average or whatever, the main takeaway for me is how poorly the Huskies played. And um, yeah. my, my biggest thing was that I felt Omaha played nearly mistake free. And, and whereas the Huskies had mistakes all over the right. ice. And in this league, mistake free will beat mistakes. Yeah, I can agree with nine that. Nine times out of 10. I, yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. And just nothing was clicking. No, no, no offensive pressure. Uh, defense was leaky again. Goaltending uh, wasn't there, especially on Saturday. It, I'm struggling. I, I think the main, my main culprit all weekend, we've seen this. I think we've been maybe dancing around it more. Or I think we've also explicitly said it as well. But I think the main problem with this team when it comes offensively, there was a separate basket of problems defensively as well. But offensively, the problem is this team just does not get deep into the zone. The grease pan seems to be a buzzword only because they're not, they're not turning that into practice on the ice. Especially on Saturday, just so content with perimeter shots and, and, and low-grade shots from outside the dot, from the point. This is on the power play, as well as even strength. Saturday's game, we had 70 shot attempts, and 29 of them hit the net. 70 attempts, because they were all perimeter going wide, easily blocked. There were, there were none of them in good quality chances, like you said. Yeah, and, and the one goal you scored there on Saturday was a tip. Um, from the point, so I guess that does count as a as a close chance, but it still is a play that a goal that was based on a long shot. The the only goal of the weekend that was kind of that dirty, get a little dirty in the slot area was Fitzgerald's goal on Friday. That the other goal for Trey Ball was or a wrister from the point uh, found its way in, and yeah, guys like <laughs> we can talk about the famed international exchange line. But that line, you know, we've been talking about Mietnin's struggles this year, sophomore slump, and I think that comes down to the fact that he's he's a guy that the shoot first, you know, from the top of the circles kind of sniper type. He's not a guy that really gets down a low, down low in the zone. I think uh, Okabe and, and Granel are, are better examples of that, but there's, it's still really not their main kind of gameplay or, or their instincts offensively. The only guys that really fit that mold, Fitzgerald, Miller can do that. I thought Miller was was pretty quiet this week this weekend. Uh, you know, Brodzinski can be a finisher as well. Um, so it's not like this team doesn't have that capability. But it just wasn't there this weekend. And that was a big reason for getting just three goals on the weekend. You know, we saw that uh Omaha started kind of the Dr. Death for, for St. Cloud Roden in net on, on Friday. And he played well. Um, again, I don't think he was tested all that, all that much. I was very surprised that they, they brought, they went back with Seville on Saturday, thinking that was a bit of a break from the Husky standpoint, a guy that they have handled pretty well in the past. And aside from the first few shots, uh, Seville looked kind of leaky. He's given up some rebounds. 
And, and I was like, okay, we weren't seeing this from Roden last night, but after that, he kind of tightened things up. And, and again, not a ton of grade A opportunities. And so from the offensive side, which generally is, is not the problem for this team, um, you know, multiple times with double-digit goals this year and this, this power play that's leading the world, although that's kind of screeched to a halt like everything else over the last month uh, in this slide. Uh, the offense usually isn't what you worry about. But uh, when your defense is still not performing very well, even with a Herbix, who I thought looked pretty jet-lagged or something on Saturday, he did not look good, even though I was happy to see him and Hentges in the lineup. He needed to do something on Saturday. Uh, Hentges looked fine, I thought. Uh, Herbix did look a little sluggish, um, especially with that first goal, kind of helping, uh, turning, turning it over and, and and, and playing a part in, in Omaha getting up early and scoring that first goal. So that, yeah, the, 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 so then when the defense continues its struggles and you add that with uh, an offense that was, was not effective and is, is sort of, it's, it's showing its limitations. If it doesn't want to get dirty down in, in the zone and it's content with, with lots of long shots, uh, that's a recipe for, you know, two goal games, one goal games, zero goal games. And again, on the road. I mean, this team is a terrible road team. I don't know if it is just familiarity or the extra, you know, bigger ice sheet in St. Cloud. I generally in the past have not thought that that was that big of an advantage for the Huskies, but it's very clear at this point, this is a different team away from the Herbrooks uh, center. So yeah, this is six straight uh, road losses in conference. And most of those not looking all that competitive, you know, going back to the Western and Denver and North Dakota series. Uh, no, no more than that. Eight, eight straight losses then. And so, and just one regulation win in conference on the road, which was in uh, CC. So, uh, yeah, this was not a good weekend. Um, a very bad weekend, the worst of the year. And it, I, yeah, like I said, you weren't going to beat anybody. I mean, you might have beat St. Thomas with that effort this weekend, but you probably weren't going to beat Miami with that effort. So, yeah, I, I, I'm not confident with, about this team. It's nice that they're coming back home here because, again, like I said, I think they're a markedly different team on, on the home sheet. And they got the next three games uh, at the Herb. and. North Dakota bailed them out a little bit by sweeping UMD. So the, the dream of home ice is still there. The taking, you really got to take two out of three against Duluth and then sweep CC for that to be a possibility. That still might not do the trick, but you know, because Duluth was also swept, first of all, blow an opportunity for the Huskies to make up ground there. Uh, and, but also, you still have that opportunity to, to snag home ice. So there still is time, but my confidence level that this team can do that, like getting home ice in the playoffs is the least of my concerns. Now my, my concern is can this team beat anybody? Because that was kind of the thing. Like we've been saying they're struggling against the good teams, taking care of business against the teams that they should beat. Well, you didn't do that this weekend. And so now you have, a test with Duluth, and then you have a CC team, which I don't think we're going to debate that. I mean, we can we can admit they're not a good team. 
you, you need to yep, be you correct. need to win those two games. And if you beat Duluth and you go on a bit of a winning streak here, then you could definitely right the ship and, and bring my confidence back. At this point, it's a real rocking chair with this team. I, some weeks it looks great. And for the last month, it's looked not great. But maybe now with the rest of the team back, Perbix and, and Hentges and Larson back, uh, maybe that can get their mojo back, get them back in their routine. Let's hope. But my faith in this team is is dwindling. Maybe we can get back to the Omaha weekend. I know I'm kind of straying off and looking forward, but that's my initial rant. I've always thought with this Huskies team, especially last year, this Huskies team, it was how they reacted, how they got popped in the mouth and whatnot. They were always able to kind of get back on track and it it didn't matter to them. Now, every time we get a little bit of momentum, we come out with the next couple of shifts where we just kind of lollygag everywhere. And again, that was two big turning points. Uh, I, I think for the Huskies, you know, when we, we make it on Friday, you know, Fitzgerald ties it up one, one 50 seconds later, uh, you know, right after, um, you know, there's another penalty, I think was called. Yeah. Here it takes yeah, a terrible the, interference yeah. call, right? Yep. And and that that interference call too. Oh man, I saw some Huskies complaining about fans complaining about that call, and I'm like, that is clearly textbook interference from how they have been calling it. Like that, you gotta bump them. You can't actually check them into the boards after after he dumps the the offender dumps the puck. But then right after that, what seconds later, that's in the back of the net. So, okay, Trey Ball comes back a couple minutes later. You know, like you said, okay, we're right in the ship. We're getting back on track. Two minutes later, uh, another goal was given up. And then... And then uh, a couple of minutes later after that. Yeah. And then, yeah. Less less than a minute later. Less than a minute later after that. And and then it was just like, what are we doing here? And then it was the same thing there on Saturday. Um, You know, Hench's scores. You know, okay, two to one. We can come back from this. That's that. That's fine. We're getting a little bit of spark, and it was um, a minute ten later. You know, we scores, and it was, it was just that kind of lackadaisical play right after we score, where you should have the momentum, and we just give it up right away, and then we're just defeat us the rest of the game because well, well it looks like. Whereas other teams like the Gophers were able to, you know, get buried three nothing against Penn State over the weekend, and they were able to come back and win six to four. The defense and how terrible that they're playing is causing all of this, everything like this house of cards to collapse on itself. You know, Peart again, you know, had another really rough weekend. I think you know Bushy didn't have a great weekend. Uh, Meyer didn't. You know, like you said, Perbix looked a little bit uh, jet lagged there on Saturday. The um, I believe it was Weiss's goal um, on Saturday. There were five Huskies that were all around the puck car- car- uh, carrier, and it was like none of them are making a play on the puck carrier. And he was able to just slam it into the back of the net. And it's like one of you do something out there. It's just so frustrating. And the wheels just keep falling off every time we get a little bit of a chance. That hasn't happened to the Huskies, you know, when we've been really successful. But now 
every, everything just kind of crumbles and this team just has no confidence. Uh, another weekend without a goal from Walker and Brodzinski. They've been absolutely silent. Brodzinski took another terrible penalty um, away from the play uh, that, that causes a little bit of the shift in momentum. But again, Omaha, credit to them. They played mistake-free uh, hockey over the weekend where we didn't. And they capitalized and good for them. And, you know, they're right now nipping at our heels, the leapfrog us in the standings. Um, you know, they're, I believe, what, we're tied right now in points with a game in hand? Tied, yeah. So, it's a game, game in hand. So it kind of depends on what they do with the game here. That'll, then after that, they'll be tied with points. I would still give the edge to the Huskies there just based on the schedule. But uh, strength of schedule, again, you're not going to beat beat anybody playing the way they did this weekend talking about SCSU. So uh, I still would give them the edge based on, you know, Omaha's got Denver, North Dakota left. Whereas, you know, St. Cloud has that CC series and then three games against Duluth. But again, that doesn't mean anything if you don't do anything with that. So I would, like I said, I would still think that they're going to finish higher than Omaha, but yeah, tied in the standing and not something if you would have said, beginning of the season tied for sixth or tied for fifth i guess with omaha yeah at the end of february would not have taken that on my bingo card so um yeah yeah and then uh you know rennick allows four goals on friday in you know 20 shots 21 shots something like that and then saturday allows two in four shots you know one was a defensive breakdown um the other one the first one Maybe it came out of the corner funny. Maybe it was a misplay by the defenseman. Maybe it was came bounced off the ref. Um, Perfect. Perfect. In the end, kind of get, kind of coughed it up and and still sort of a a, a bad angle shot that Rennick should have uh, been able to handle better. Both goals. Yeah, and that good. was that that was the right call. Um, yeah. Yeah. To to yank him after that. Uh, but then yeah, Caster. I think he he did all right, but he left too many rebounds. I mean, yeah. I think that one goal where there were five Huskies surrounding him. I mean, that was, I think the third shot that he faced yeah. and it's like the Huskies, he got it defense. He got to do something to clear it out. And everyone's just standing there. Oh, it was, I, I tweeted out a picture of that and I was just, just, just looking at it. Like make a play. Nobody's stepping up. We don't have a leader right now. That's, worth a damn that's they're not doing anything out there it's like you know everybody came back and we were raving about the leadership and you know i'm worried about our next season how that's going to look because you know this was the season that you know is kind of our all-in season and to see that you know we're playing incredibly you know uninspired and whatnot and that's that's where everything just kind of falls is is incredibly frustrating here for for the Huskies. Yeah, lack of leader is a, is a is a good observation, and you know having Larson. One of our first podcasts of the year, I talk about how I'm worried that we don't have a guy, a game breaker that'll step up, and clearly we need that. Like like any spark that is being provided just gets sucked away from us the next two shifts. Yeah, I was kind of thinking that maybe lat, you know, a lot of the same players, you know, we had the 2019-2020 the one that was cut short. Then we had last year 
four run, and then this year, a lot of the same cast of characters in those three years. The the nineteen twenty season, not a good. Um, no, and I'm starting to think that last year might have been fluke. Three, this team looks a little bit more resembling of that nineteen twenty season than something that that would have you know that was the national runner up. Um, and there was a lot of reasons put asterisks on last year just a lot different season pod for 10 games no pairwise who knows how good teams like bu and bc were that you beat in the tournament then obviously getting outclassed by umass didn't look good uh and you know you still like i said there's still 10 in pairwise which i'm surprised by surprised it didn't hurt yeah. them more um and it didn't really help omaha that much i think these are at the same spot there. I think they're at 22 going into the weekend, and that's where they are now. So I'm surprised that they didn't move up. Yeah, they might have even dropped a yeah. spot. Yeah. So, um, and I think that's where a lot of other teams might have really helped the Huskies. Like you said, with um, Dakota beating, you know, sweeping Duluth, and then, you know, I think what Quinnipiac lost, um, what BC won for the first, first time, time in like a decade. Yep. Um, they beat what, Northeastern? No. Yes. Uh, on Who Friday. Yeah. 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 They beat Northeastern. Yeah. And Northeastern beat them on Saturday. Yeah. So it's, so, I mean, again, I'm not a pairwise guru, you know, pairwise technically only matters one day in March. Uh, but it's, well, I mean, this is it's late in the season. And so the, the movements aren't going to be as drastic. Although a team like Dakota moved up, they're up to six. I think they were either at 12 or 11 going into the weekend. I mean, you still can make some pretty big, big hops, but a team like Omaha, which needs to make those hops, didn't seem to do that against a team that was again ranked in the low, you know, eight to nine range going into the weekend. So play better. That's that's the uh, that's the main. That's ideal, and it's you know coming up Tuesday. Right now, scheduled Duluth. Now uh, we are. Going to be in a blizzard warning here for the next two days. So, you know, really? who knows if this game is actually going to take place? We're expecting, you know, anywhere between six to 12 inches um, of, of snow here, uh, you know, sometime throughout Monday. So, who knows what's going to happen here for, for Tuesday? Um, you know, and who, who knows if they're going to be out of Duluth or whatnot. So, that's something to keep note of. But, you know, something that I've you know, kind of kept track of is we face North Dakota um, at, at North Dakota. They just got embarrassed the week before. And, you know, we just played Omaha who got embarrassed the week before. And now Duluth got embarrassed the week before um, or the couple sure. days before, you know, are, so are we, I'm going to, I'm going to push back against your embarrassed. Losing to getting swept by Miami is a little different than losing two close one goal the, games. Losing two, to a good fine. Okay, yes, you got a point there. But, but my my point was that you know when teams have underwhelming weekends and the Huskies play them, we're the ones that are the punching bag, and we're the ones that have to kind of face them next and. You know, Miami has played fairly well after we took it to them, you know, that week as well. So it's, 
I'm really worried here that uh, Duluth is just going to come out in all cylinders and and we're just going to drop this next game here on Tuesday. If it happens. Biggest game of the year. I'd say they're probably, they're pretty much all the biggest games of the year. Each of them going forward. I mean, you're in playoff hockey right now. Um, Whether or not you want to, if you care or not about the conference standings or just the pairwise, all of these are vital uh, games. I, I did run the pairwise simulation. You generally don't want to do this for like a weekend's worth of games because then you, you can't just pick one game and see what the difference is because that doesn't mean anything. It's what everybody else does. But on Tuesday, because yeah. there's only two games, I was kind of curious what this one game after Tuesday, what that would, how that would affect pairwise. And if you beat them, you're up to eight. You basically swap spots. You go to eight, the lose goes down to 10. And if you lose, if St. Cloud loses that game, they're down to 12. So, I mean, didn't move a ton in this Omaha sweep, but this this one single game against Duluth um, is going to, you know, a two a two slot slot swing either way. And then if, I think if, if there's ties or something that's not a win for each team at overtime result, then you basically stay where you are at 10. So, I mean, a win here would, would put you back to eight where you were before this debacle in Omaha. and and then puts you one one point behind uh, Duluth, and making that last series up in Duluth, you know, basically the uh, uh, decider of who's going to get home ice, large part. So, but conference standings and pairwise sh- shouldn't matter. It, it it should be on the back burner as far as the focus for the team goes. You need to you need to play good hockey, and then the wins will be a result of that. You can't be obsessed with numbers. You have to play better hockey uh, in order to get those results. What they put, what they displayed in Omaha was, was not championship caliber at, at any at facet of the game. So yeah, you, you need every, every part to step up every, you know, power play penalty kill. Um, it's weird saying the power, power play needs help, but they've like everything else in this, in this, what nine game run of one win in the last nine games. I think that's what we're up to now. Uh, they have, the power play has been, has not been clicking and, uh, and yeah, we, we've been blue in the face talking about defensive lapses. I, I spent uh, a few minutes talking about an offensive uh, game plan. That's not doing much. Um, so a lot to work on. Is it is there enough time for the for the ship to be righted? That's that's the key question. I, I what do you think? The the one I think thing I have solace on in all of this is the fact that it's just a quick turnaround against Duluth. That it's not something to dwell on or hanging over their heads. It's something that okay, that happened. Turn the page. Let's just get to Duluth and let's get back to where we need to be and. That is what I'm hoping the mindset's going to be. And again, we just need to, I would like a game where we just play nearly mistake free that I think that is kind of the key. We just have to dumb things down a little bit and keep it a little more simple. We have to keep it a little more simpler on the power play. Uh, I think we're getting, you know, we're entering the zone. Well, we're, I think we're getting good puck possession and movement, but you know, we're not getting to those prime scoring areas down low. All of our shots are are wide, are 
far out making easy saves. I think both Roden and Seville weren't tested nearly enough when we didn't get to those tough areas. And there were quite a few different shots where we had, where we missed the net and just the puck rings around to the other side and goes down the ice. You know, we play mistake free hockey. We can be a damn good team. And I think we can do that, but we just have to dumb it down and not try to do too much. And I don't know if it's a specific person or if it's just the whole whole team, but you know, some someone's got to be a leader on this team and and step up. And I don't know if it's calling someone out. I'm not in the locker room, but I don't know. The fans are definitely feeling it, and and the whole temperature of Husky hockey is is, is not 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 the best right now. So you know, if this is the perfect time to kind of rate the ship between that and again. Coming up against CC too. I mean, this is that CC series is, you know, nearly a must win before, you know, I was talking about how great it would be to Wisconsin rule out Duluth. You know, we're four games above 500 right now. So yeah. we're on the, um, you know, if everything keeps falling like it has, we're going to be on the other side of the Wisconsin rule, especially with the two postseason games that are going to be against really tough competition. Well, if you lose out, you're not going to be in pairwise position, I don't think. Losing two games against DC, which is basically what you have to do, right? They're four games out or above 500. If they win, and then so they would have at least if if, if they then they would do playoff games, of seven. So you could no, you'd have to lose all seven. The under 500. If you went one and six, then you beat five hundred. So, I'm all I'm saying is, by going zero and seven, you're not going to get Wisconsin out. You're going to be out of the top sixteen. Whereas Wisconsin was under five hundred gotcha. in yeah. the top fifty. So it, it'll take. It's a problem that'll take care of itself. Duluth, on the other hand, that still is a definite possibility. Not a definite possibility, but. If they, yeah, they could be one game under 500, and I bet they would still be a top team. That has not happened. That scenario has not uh, arisen since that rule was put into play. I don't believe. Correct me, anyone. Correct me if I'm wrong. No. Nope. Uh, and St. Cloud, St. Cloud. Well, and St. Cloud was the team to put them under 500. Wisconsin that year because they beat them in the yep. playoffs. And then after that, and then after that, they changed the rule that you have to be above 500 to be a at-large team. And so, yeah, we'd like to make history. Uh, I I'd love to see that just that from the fluke aspect, but more importantly, I just want to see the husky from the husky perspective. I want to see them turn things around here. And yeah, CC is not going to be an easy test either. I mean, basically, like I said, they ain't gonna, we ain't going to beat anybody uh, the way they played against Omaha, and this is a team CC that. You know, took them overtime uh, when they played in Colorado Springs uh, at the beginning. I think that was the, the conference opener series. And so you didn't even sweep them there uh, when you were going pretty hot uh, coming off the non-conference uh, portion of the schedule. And and they gave you a decent game uh, on the, the, the win, the full regulation win that St. Cloud had. And again, a team you should beat. You have the skill advantage um, on, on CC, but they can be a pesky team, and 
you can't take anything for granted at this point. Uh, and yeah. I'm not even I'm not even confident that they'll if they played Miami at home again. I'm not confident that they would that they would sweep them. So uh, you, you can't take anyone for granted at this point in the season. And you should play a little bit desperate. <clears throat> you should play with a little bit of sense of urgency. That's not what I I expect that Saturday game. You know, like I said, that was a Friday game is when I sent you the embarrassing text. That, that was an embarrassment. You'd think that they would have come out, you know, balls to the wall on Saturday and come out like their pants were on fire. Not even close to that. In fact, they were basically out of the game within the first five Pretty minutes. Pretty much the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. It was almost a worse uh, performance on Saturday than it was on Friday. So, I don't know. I mean... I did run the customizer here just quickly. And again, obviously take all of this with so many grains of salt, but a, we lose to Duluth and then two ties against CC. We sit at 13, but again, you need to run everyone else's uh, results on weekend. Like all you're doing is just isolating three examples, which is why I said grains of salt. You can do like I said, you can do that with a one game here coming up because, Nothing else is going to be changed other than the Quinnipiac. I'm assuming Quinnipiac wins their game. If Quinnipiac loses their game against Yale, I did run that. And St. Cloud wins, then St. Cloud would be up to seven. So there is that possibility. But Quinnipiac's not going to lose to Yale. And uh, it doesn't even matter. We shouldn't bother ourselves with all these uh, what ifs. Um, I was just doing that because yeah, that's true. on Tuesday because just the one off uh, and nothing else is going on. But yeah, it, well, yeah, if you, if you don't. If you don't, if you take CC to overtime twice, that ain't gonna be good for anybody. Uh, is that the that's the Kenny Rogers roasters episode from Seinfeld? Like that's not gonna be good for anybody um, when it comes to the Huskies. Um, so yeah, can't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the weekend, Colorado College at home. You know, had a really tough stretch um, before two overtime wins here against Miami, four three and three to two last weekend. So it's, you know, again on paper, this is this is definitely a a, a series where the Huskies need need to actually deliver. Um, and again, Walker and Brzezinski, I keep keep bringing it up but god they've just been quiet one thing that walker was okay on uh at least on friday i think was he was decent in the faceoff dot and i only bring that up uh because we can talk this is our regular segment bitching about refs the uh <laughs> faceoff violation do you think the um uh, my theory do you think the the the, the linesman is it their mission to is it their goal to you have to assign a warning at, on every faceoff? Because it seems like that's that's their mo. Is their job is we gotta fake them out and then assign a warning to somebody before I drop the puck? At least in offensive zone opportunities, the the faceoff. I, I think St. Cloud actually won the faceoffs on Friday, which is surprising because it seemed like every key draw they lost and. Fitzgerald got called for a faceoff violation. Omaha got dinged on a faceoff violation on Saturday. So one Saturday faceoff violation each day, each game. And Fitzgerald, you could tell Fitzgerald was really rattled by that because the rest of the game and the rest of the series, there was there was a couple of draws where he didn't even put his stick down when they dropped the puck. 
because I'm sure he was scared to to take another penalty. Um, and that second goal for Omaha on that power play goal, four seconds into the power play, was directly due to them winning the draw cleanly and then throwing the puck in the net from the uh, from the point. And it's just it. I don't. It's just frustrating. Uh, I and I also think that it might be a advantage. Like I was looking back at the Huskies box scores, and, and generally I think the case is not all the time, but in more often than not, the home team wins faceoffs. Wondering if that's a function of the linesmen in general are are local guys that they don't travel the same way that the refs do. So like I, I know in St. Cloud is the Jeff Schultz number 55 he'll generally be the one of the linesmen in each of the st cloud home games i think there's a couple of more guys uh in the linesman pool for st cloud than there are for for instance omaha or north dakota which they're the only team in that area so i'm wondering if because you you see the home team generally sees a lot of the same linesmen if that gives them an advantage as they're kind of familiar with their cadence and the little tricks that they may do as far as when they drop the puck I I don't know. Again, it was just it was a frustrating uh, weekend from the continual uh, warnings and then the penalties coming from that. I think it's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, it's just one of those little small areas of the game that can can be a big, you know, a, a huge part. Because what didn't uh, Fitzgerald's penalty? That I believe that that was uh, the power play that Omaha scored its first goal on Friday. So, I mean that that yep. directly led to a power play goal. So, I mean, it's a small part of the game, but it can have pretty big effects. Uh, that's the end of, well, if you want to jump in, but this is our uh, bitching about the rest. Uh, yeah. It was, I don't know. I feel like anytime there's a full start on a face-off, now maybe it's a little bit different because you're literally trying to cheat. You know, it's winning face-offs is just who can cheat the best and not get called out on it. But it's... Anytime there's that face-off violation or whatnot, it's just, I, I feel like it's it, it's creating an answer to a problem that never really existed. Yeah. I'd never really thought there was a big epidemic of face-off problem. And then now just getting called a random penalty on it, and we're, we're treating these penalties the same as this, oh, not putting your stick down or whatever a face-off violation even constitutes. You know, the same way as, oh, that was a slash to the back of somebody's yeah. thigh, you know, and it's just like, are are these two minute penalties really the same, you know, negating a prime scoring chance or, you know, well, you didn't put your stick down correctly. It was off. You got to sit for two minutes. It's just uh, annoying. But yeah. So um, do you have a player of the week? <laughs> if you still want to have this segment. Yeah, I haven't thought about that. <laughs> I mean, it's it's easier the the guys that didn't play well kind of stand out more than the guys that did play well. Um, I mean, I thought Luke he was fine again. Did make any glaring mistakes that I think that he might have been the only member of the defense that that didn't stand out as as having some issues. I thought. Yeah, I don't. Nothing's coming to mind. Did, did did you have anyone that that stuck stuck out to you? Like I said, most of my favorite 
you know, Miller, I thought was quiet. I thought Fitzgerald was quiet other than the, the, the one goal on, on Friday, that line just, you know, up good, didn't do much. I don't have anyone sticking out. Do, do you have actually, one? I actually would probably go with Trable. Um, he did have a goal and an assist on the weekend. So two thirds of our offense went through Trable. Um, and I don't think he was nearly as bad. And maybe because he doesn't get a ton of ice time, he didn't have a chance to be terrible, um, on defense, but, um, I would probably go with him just because everybody else was incredibly lackluster as well. So I guess maybe a little bit by default. Um, but, uh, yeah, I would say, I would probably say true. Uh, I'll I'll go with it. I'm just looking at his box scores. To Thomas Rocco was a plus one on Friday, one of the few guys not to take a minus game. <laughs> I was I was watching the game on Friday, and I felt so bad for him. Like the first, I think his first shift on Friday, he like blew a tire three times. There was a bunch <laughs> of that. Was it? fell down and i just was like oh there goes my time of asking for rocco to play more he just keeps falling over all over there was a bunch of of blowing tires and uh yeah, falling weird. down meyer did it again he needs to get the sh- skates sharpened or something he's been he's been falling down a lot um, maybe he's been watching that uh, michael douglas movie too much falling down I'm looking at Saturday too. Just the only guys about that were plus Brodzinski and Henches. I again, I thought Henches looked okay. Um, um, didn't look as as weary as Perbix did, and did score the only goal, but only playing the one game. I'm not gonna say player of the weekend. So yeah, I'll I'll stick with you with Trayball. Let's let's stick with that. What the heck is falling down about? You never seen that? It's actually, uh, it kind of holds up. It's it's about this like ex government. I saw it a couple years ago. It's like this disgruntled government. Was was it was it employee the, uh, or uh, nineteen eighty? Was it in nineteen what eighty one? Early nineties, early nineties. Oh, okay. Um, but he goes on this. He kind of snaps and he goes on this like uh, shooting rampage. Um, and it's an interesting movie. Uh, it, and like I said, it says some things that her comments on some cultural issues that I think are still relevant today. Uh, it's a weird, I mean, Michael Douglas has never been skeezier or slimier than this. Uh, it's worth watching. It's worth a watch. I just was, I don't know. I just was, uh, reminded when I said falling down. Uh, but, uh, it's a, it's kind of an interesting. Oh, movie. this is the, the Foo Fighters. Music video is references falling down. That's why I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'm familiar with that uh, specific uh, video, but yeah, it's the movie where he's like wearing a suit and he's got like the horn rim glasses and the short sort of uh, haircut. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Dave Grohl does that in uh Foo Fighters song walk. He, he goes around and kind of goes on. I mean, it's not like a shooting rampage. It's uh, you know, he, he just kind of snaps after he quits his like nine to five type job. Yeah, there's this like government angle because it's like uh, Robert Duvall, I think, is the cop. It's like cop on his last day and he's got to save the world sort of deal or save, you know, 
save the world from this one lone nut. Uh, so he's like the cop that's that uh, you know chasing him, and kind of all I, I it might not have even been so much shooting because I know there's like fights in some in some scenes. I don't know if it was all guns or I know there was. I think there were some gun scenes in it, but it's not a bad movie. It's it's kind of a decent. Yeah, like all I know of Michael Douglas and Michael Doug's films is like what Wall Street, a good one, and. What was he in Fatal Attraction? Yes. Was it another the one, one where he gets blackmailed or something yeah. like that? Yeah, that's Fatal yeah. Attraction. That's another good and one. And then obviously the basic instinct scene. I have not seen that. That's uh Sharon Stone. And then I guess I didn't know that Michael Douglas was in that movie, but I have not seen that one. That would have been right around the same time as falling down. And then was he was he in a video game? I don't know if he was the elusive man in Mass Effect 2. Not sure about that. He was in no, no, that was um, uh, Martin Sheen Mm. was the elusive man in in Mass Effect Two. I was playing Mass Effect Two years ago, and the elusive man was talking, and and my wife was you know kind of nearby or walking, and she was like, she in her mind she was like, "What president is this? Like, why is there a president on your video game?" Uh, President Bartlett. There you go. <laughs> so she she went right to the West Wing with her mind. <laughs> I could see that. There, Martin Sheen and and Michael Douglas kind of have similar voices. I could see that. Right. But, I mean, I thought I thought so. Yeah, Douglas isn't bad. Romancing the Stone. A lot of people like that. A movie called The China Syndrome. Kind of like this anti nuclear energy movie. Uh, from the late seventies. That was pretty decent. He started out as a producer. He didn't want to be an actor because his dad, Kirk Douglas, was kind of a Hollywood legend in his own right. Kind of Michael Douglas didn't want to be just following in in, in his dad's footsteps. So he started out as a producer. He won an Oscar for he produced uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest in the 70s. That was before his acting career started. So kind of a weird career where he started out behind the scenes and then became a Oscar-winning actor. And then he married uh, Kathy uh, Zeta-Jones. He's pretty much done. I don't know of anything he's done in the last uh, 10, 10 years plus. I think he was in uh, he was in Ant-Man. I did not see that. But Are you a big Marvel movie fan? I, I take s- it no. I, I haven't, haven't seen, seen one. You haven't a, seen one? And not a superhero. I don't like the fun ones. No superhero movies, no high fantasy. So I've never seen the Lord of the Rings. I've never seen um, like uh, Game of Thrones. I have no interest in that. None like the Harry Potters. Um, yeah, just not, I, not really like I've, I've tried watch uh, uh, Star Wars. I could not get through when I was like 10 years old. I, I tried to watch it twice and I couldn't get through it. So n- none of those movies. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I like a lot of movies. I just don't really like. I don't like movies where it's like you're creating a new world with new rules. It's got to be like grounded in reality. So gotcha. Do you read a lot? Is that the same with books? Like Mm -hmm. it has to be. I used to read a lot lot more than I do now. I don't really read much now. And the reading I do read is mostly nonfiction. But gotcha. maybe, maybe it is. Yeah. Again, never read much any of like those you know harry potter books or anything like that so 
I've I'm start I'm going through reading uh, Lord of the Rings and then right after the books watching the uh, extended cut of the movie and I forgot how good those movies are like those movies are they're they're good so it's yeah um I loved the first three uh, Game of Thrones books uh, Song of Ice and Fire um, fourth one I thought was a little bit uh, of a letdown and then the fifth one. I thought was incredibly big letdown, and now he's like stopped writing them. Um, you know, George R. R. Martin. It was supposed to be a three book series, and then it just kind of kept going, and then he stretched it out, got more verbose, created more and more characters, and I think he just kind of wrote himself into a hole, and he just can't get out of it right now, without just hand waving all of the other expedition that he did. So it's it's one of those things that I mean. When did Dance of Dragons come out? 2012? Maybe not that long ago. But it feels like, oh my gosh, 2011. That was when his last book was. And now he's like always like, oh, he was with the show. And now he's producing a video game, Elden Ring, that's coming out soon. And it's just like, sit down and write your book, buddy. (laughs) But, I mean, we're at this point now with how the TV series ended as well. It's like, I don't even care. Release it or don't. Maybe maybe in, what, 70-some years it'll fall into the public domain and somebody else can do a better job of handling his world than he does. Although he is very, very much not a fan of fanfic. He's like, these are mine. <laughs> anyway, that goes in. Where was I? Michael Douglas. <laughs> falling <laughs> down. Uh, Spencer falling Meyer. Falling down. Yeah. Defense. Spencer Meyer every, and the team falling down. Yeah, it was... I felt like everyone kind of blew a tire every now and then. Big series uh, against CC. I don't think we need to kind of expound on that any more than we do. Do you want to talk maybe a little bit of Olympic hockey here? Yeah, um, since, you know, we got we got Perbix and Henches back. Um, you know, there was questions about whether they would play on Saturday. Uh, you know, they were able to find some kind of flight or connections from from Beijing to Omaha. And they were they were able to get at least some type of legs under them for for Saturday's game, and it was just you know we go we go three and zero in the group play for the men's side, and then just everything just kind of collapsed. Um, you know it was nice to see mm-hmm. Hench's score, yeah, assisted by Perbix. Uh, so that was cool, but you know we allow an empty attacker or an or an extra attacker goal, and then it was a very I would say boring three on three hockey. Three on three, the spontaneous and funness of three on three has now been kind of coached out, and there was a couple of scoring chances, but not that much. And then I thought the shootout that we went to it was I don't know head scratcher on players that we picked. Yeah. And I thought it was a real head scratcher in our three on three as well. It's like, it felt like we kept only going to the same couple of people. And it's like, you need fresh stamina players. You can't just go to the same six people in two lines over and over again. And, you know, for crying out loud, it was, it was, it was your older guys. It's like, you you know, it's, it's your young guys have been getting you there and you, you just, you just bench them. (laughs) You bench your speedsters. When it's three on three, it just made no sense. I thought I thought we were completely outcoached by the end of that game. Yeah, I thought that that Beniers clearly was the best player on the ice. Both mm-hmm. why he didn't have 
why he wasn't the, one of the five guys on a shootout. Just mind-boggling. Well, Again, we'll I have Andy Meal out there. Ugh. Uh, yeah, and so that was, I mean, I, I didn't know the format of the overtime surprise that they, I'm like, oh, it's three on three, grumble, 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 10 minutes of it. And I figure they're going to like resurface the ice and do another one of those. But then it's the shootout, uh, which, yeah, so you, you go 3 0 0 0 and 1. You don't even lose a regulation team and you don't even play. You're not even one of the top eight teams. I, I realize I might be in the minority there, but I think that's a really stupid way to. You can play the shootouts in three on three in the pool play when it comes to the one and done, winner go home. Uh, just let them play overtime uh i i don't know why it makes sense to uh to to bring it down to a shootout yeah has said many times they're like it's only americas that don't like a shootout so we're basically not gonna like we don't really care what you guys think are they still doing because apparently europe's just fine with it they're like yeah what if it's got to end sometime i mean world cup has it for penalty kicks so it's kind of the same situation well, yeah, we don't need to compare ourselves to soccer, though. Uh, they can play by their own rules. Do they still do the... Uh, well, soccer's a lot more popular. Sure. Uh, but uh, are they still doing the... Because um, I didn't watch any of the 2018 games at all. Uh, I don't think I did. Um, and I remember watching... I didn't watch all of the 2014 games, but the thing I do remember is that the TJ Oshie goes viral... Because at some point in the shootout, the same guy can keep going for the same team. After five. Yep. If it's so they still after have five. That. They still have that rule yep. in place. We just didn't see that yep. because it, 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 was, it was settled after five. Well, yeah. Yep. So, I mean, they can still make the shootout really, really stupid. Yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot, of, a lot to be desired from my end on, on the format there. Um, but I guess I'm in the minority. I, I was pretty underwhelmed by the by the play. I did watch. I didn't see any of the pool play because I was on vacation that week before, but did get the did get to watch a couple of the games. I watched like that Slovakia next game after they beat the U.S. And then I did watch the gold medal game on Saturday, but pretty underwhelming. I mean, a lot of two to one, one nothing type games, just not much offense. And I think a, a large part was due to the rosters that were were on hand. I mean the u.s i thought the college guys were clearly uh the uh the best players on the ice and it's just so random to get the 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 nesses and the mealies sprinkled in with the uh the young guns um i i i i see the uh, strategy there because every you know all the other countries are going to have older guys too and you don't want all just young guys against some some grizzled vets but leaning on them to the extent that they did on in that Slovakia game was, was frustrating. And, and just, yeah, the, the fact that, yeah, they, they had some, us had some power play opportunities to put the game away. They had a two man advantage at one point that they let slide by, um, you know, it looked like Hentius was on that line. I can't remember who the guy was that was generally, I was at O'Neill. One of the older kind of veteran players was, Typically on that line, but he got hurt, um, and so that's kind of why Hentges, uh was moved up to that line. And I thought that was a great play by him. That's the kind of play that I like to see in St. Cloud. You know, it's a 
a working play kind of does a little turnaround right in front of the net and and it was a nice a nice play and a nice setup as you said you know perbix with the uh with the assist uh but yeah once that o'neill came back look like henches was then kind of relegated to, to lesser playing time as he was he didn't even play the first couple of games in the pool play uh which is a yeah, he didn't play the that, first two i thought that he'd at least play against china because they probably figured that they're going to win that game pretty easily and and so, but that's, that's Hentges for you, you know, sits two games and then plays two and, and scores a goal. It's kind of how his season for St. Cloud has been going. Um, but, uh, frustrating that he couldn't even make it to, uh, you know, a medal game. Um, congratulations to Finland. I didn't realize that they had never won the gold medal, uh, had come up short at, I think five or six glass silver medals. But it never won the uh, never won at all, and and nice to see them uh, bring home the gold. Um, also, did see the uh, gold medal game uh, in the women's side, uh, U.S. versus Canada. I think has been the correct me if I'm wrong. Has that been the gold medal game all but once in the Olympics? Yep, correct. And and uh, I thought a couple of of weak goals given up by the Americans. Uh, those first two I thought were a little light. Or was it the first and the third? They had that the goal where they waved it off after an re- offside review and thinking, okay, well, that's a good, good sign for the Americans. But then it was thirty seconds later they they popped one in. Canada did, and uh, and so it was kind of coming back, you know, three nothing lead for Canada, and then U.S. was able to make it three two with a late. Late goal in the third, you thought that if they had played another five minutes of the game, but they would have uh, completed that comeback the way that the momentum was. Uh, of the games that I saw uh, this week, that was probably the best one, or, or the most, I mean, maybe just because it was the gold medal and yeah, gold medal game and that uh, U.S. Was, was involved in it, but I thought that was the one I was most kind of, or the most drama. Um, oh, yeah. And- it's, that game is is probably the best hockey in all tournament. And it usually is if there isn't pros involved. And even if there is pros involved, I don't think it captures the same amount of emotion and hatred as USA, Canada and women's hockey. Um, yeah, it was, it was some light goaltending and it was, you know, Maddie Rooney who, you know, played for Minnesota Duluth and was their starting goaltender, uh, in the last Olympics didn't start this game and, you know, won a gold medal last Olympics. And apparently even this, the goalie that was in there and I can't believe I'm blanking on her name right now, but she wasn't even a hundred percent. And, um, she had a leg injury, um, that she was kind of nursing. So it's like the, it's just, again, terrible coaching. It's like mind boggling why you would go to an injured, not a hundred percent goaltender, when when you could easily go to a you know a gold medal winning goaltender yeah. um who has served you well throughout the tournament this time as well so um you know it you know Canada's big star uh, Marie Fulipulan was just dynamic out on the ice and she has always shown up in big games against the United States and she did again and I felt like this is kind of the last ride for a lot of the the staples in women's college hockey. Hillary Knight, Amanda Kessel. I don't know how much they're going to have left. I'll leave it to the, um, you know, to 
someone to chime in to me if you think they've got another Olympics run in them, but it's, you know, it, we're going to have to go a little bit younger, I think, the next Olympics, and it's, you know, it, it's going to be a dynamic every time, again, that they, they, they play against each other. Um, I know they were also scheduled to do, like, a a series you know, where they have a few different games throughout the year against each other, you know, some in Canada, some in the U S I hope that was put on pause for COVID uh, reasons. So I hope they, that something gets started like that. Cause they did have a game scheduled at the X right now. Um, so I, I really hope that, you know, that's kind of back on the books. Cause I would, I would love to go to that. Um, Alex Cavallini, that was uh, the goaltender. But yeah, you're right. I mean, we we started coming back. We started clawing back. We just kind of ran out of time, you know, three one and then three two late. So the score was probably even a little bit more closer than it it, it was. But I don't know. A little frustrating. I hate losing to Canada in in uh, hockey, especially women's hockey. So some solace on the on the men's side is that yeah, U.S. kind of crapped out early. So did Canada, though, and U.S. That's was true. able to beat Canada in pool play. So I guess by uh, tiebreaker, uh, <laughs> U.S. was uh, finished higher than Canada in this. So in this, uh, so we're Olympics. we're up on the pairwise as well. Yeah, so. there you go. <laughs> and yeah, and I, mean, I did see that. Yeah, so that northeastern goalie was on Canada's roster. I don't think he ended up dressing. Uh, he was their third goalie. He might have dressed, but. I don't believe he got any action in net. That's like, you know, he was carrying Northeastern, who's sort of you know, been a bubble team all year, and he's basically been the deciding factor on whether or not what side of the pairwise they're going to be on. And it's like they'll lose him for three weeks to the Olympics, and he doesn't even play. Now, their guy, yeah. that, their guy that was uh, their backup for Northeastern played pretty well. I, I don't think they're, you know, they didn't... Uh, ruin their season that that didn't uh you know send them sinking as maybe some thought or i thought it would but but just that seems strange like when seeing that hench what didn't dress for those two games it's like well why did you bring him along if you're not even going to play him um so you know it's uh frustrating and they, they i did read that they they're getting together with the uh, nhl uh Olympic committee and they, they want to hash a deal out well in advance of the next Olympics. And I do hope that that happens from a just quality of play standpoint that you were, you had mentioned that a few weeks ago, you just want the best out there. And I think that is definitely, that would definitely improve um, the gameplay. But I do hope that that happens. Um, you know, it was a good opportunity for, for Perbix and Hentges and Larson as well. Um, but at the same time, I'm kind of glad that they're back. I was surprised I, I when they lost. That was on Tuesday, right? So I'm thinking at that point, hey, maybe we can get them back for Duluth. And thinking that might be a stretch. Because I still thought that they had to do some like quarantine on the way back. But apparently they just want you out of the country. So they, they were able to get out, get out of there as soon as they could. Uh, and I, yeah, they were in the building on Friday, all three of them. Larson behind the bench, and then yeah, on Saturday the the players got in in the lineup. So uh, I was I was surprised at how quick that that happened. But now yeah, it's nice to have them back and 
and uh, hopefully that will help them going forward here in the next two weeks. Good to yeah. have the full the full boat back, uh, and let's hope that 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 rights the ship, as we say. And I hope also that helps with the recruiting in the future too. We'll see if that does. Yeah. Um, anything uh, else you kind of want to add uh, before we wrap up? Not that I can uh, think of. I didn't get any. Uh, I, I didn't get any um, uh, mail on the uh, official uh, email account for the podcast. Again, if you want to send a question via email, you can do that at Huskies Hockey Podcast at Gmail dot com. Please send me an email, and I'll send you one back, and we'll uh, uh, we'll discuss your question on the air. And then I'm uh, at more clappers on Twitter. M O A R more clappers. So uh, yeah, follow me there. Obviously, if you're listening to the podcast, you probably uh, know know my Twitter handle. So that's probably where you find me. But, uh, so that about does her. So uh, thank you so much for for listening uh, till now. Huskies again control their own destiny. We'll find out in by our next podcast whether it was a good thing or a bad thing. So. Until next time, go Huskies. Woo! Woo.